Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 585 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined as always by the dynamic duo, as Ben Askren likes to be referred to, Ben Funky Askren, Stephen Kyle Brackey, on a very special Thursday here at Flow Wrestling. <clears throat> My. Th- my voice is a little, a little weary right now. Um, it'll, we'll get through it. So a lot of cool stuff to discuss, including the revealing of the 158-man bracket, um, 150-comma-8-man bracket. Um, don't want to be confusing. Which is going down on December 18th, and we did it a little differently this time, Ben. Um, maybe your way would have been better. I know. I, I don't Unfortunately. know. Unfortunately. We should have. I I should I should have held that card for this bracket because these guys would have been way more fun. Uh, yeah, bracket with so what, there's one ninety five guys, lame guys there. <laughs> I wouldn't say they're lame guys. They just weren't super <clears throat> into that idea, which is fine. Um, so I don't, do we want to go right into it? Are are we excited yeah. enough for this? I can talk I a little bit. I want to see the bracket. I can. We can talk a little bit about the the process, I guess, because last time. Ben hosted like a Zoom call and they chose their spots in the bracket and the idea was awesome. Like they call each other out. Well, they didn't really do that and they just put themselves wherever. So this time we had a couple of different ways we're looking at looking at building the brackets. Like on the one hand, we could just go like straight max chaos, entertainment value, do whatever, and or just try to seed it. And I think we went back and forth on what to do. And then we seeded it, and seeding it actually created a super awesome bracket. So it was a oh. win-win, and I think it's a really equitable bracket as well. And um, so, yeah, why don't we? Uh, I guess we won't so, get. Yeah, go ahead. What did you use the U.S. Nationals for seeding, or was it? Um, well, you know, it's, a lot of it's tough. I mean, we, world. it's tough, right? tough because a lot of these guys compete at different weight classes. Bajrang is. Uh, not even a domestic competitor. So there are a lot of different things. I think maybe the best way to do it is to reveal the bracket and then we can go 
kind of line by line because Bracky was part of the seeding process as well, um, how we came to it. So uh, the very first match will feature our top seed, Bajrang Punya, two-time world medalist, versus the University of Iowa's now Hawkeye Wrestling Club's Pat Lugo. So very first match right out the gate, top seed, Bajrang Punya. He is the... uh, as I mentioned, you know, this is a guy that was ranked number one in the world at different points in his career. He's a two-time world medalist. He's as popular an international wrestler that exists right now, right? I think if you if you were yeah. ranking the top, the biggest draws we internationally, should. Should he's up time. there. We really should. I don't know. I don't know it's what they'd be. Game. It's like Sajaliyev is certainly the best. Oh yeah, he's up there. <laughs> is it, but like as far as like the magnetism, like. Bajring is almost like Chimizo levels of like charisma. Chimizo, yeah. He's just an interesting guy, right? So, um, very first match would be him against against Pat Lugo, who you know his credentials on the senior level are are really limited at this point. Uh, yeah. So, which which makes it which made him the the eight seed. Yeah, so, I, I think you guys got this one right. I think that's a pretty. I mean, in my opinion, a relatively obvious number one and a re- relatively obvious. Number eight, because uh, obviously because of Bajrang <laughs> has tons of stuff to his name. Pet Lugo, not that much international freestyle. Um, so I think you crushed it there. So for the next match, I'm, I'm curious. Should we go to the two seed or should we just work our way down the bracket, Ben? I think we'll work our way down. We'll work our way down. Okay. So the next match, and this will be the next match. This is like it'll, this is like the match order for, for next week. Will be Evan yeah. Henderson versus Joy McKenna. Joy McKenna, the four seed. Evan Henderson, the five. And this four, five, six group was probably, actually it was really the five, six group, was yeah. the diffi- most difficult to, to seed because there are some, uh, well, we can get into that in a little bit maybe, but McKenna's, I think, a pretty clear four based on his uh, one last year, his senior national performance where he made the finals, oh, yeah. beat Yanni and lost to J.O. Um, he and Evan, from a seeding perspective, are really comparable in that uh one, they've gone back and forth, but Joey has the more recent win. Yeah, he's he's actually three and one against him since twenty eighteen. Um, they both were in the senior nationals bracket. They took second and third. So have, Henderson did outplace McKenna, but they lost to the same guy, Alirez. Alirez, um, and McKenna's three and one against them since since twenty eighteen. So that that's what really swung that one. And also a four five, they wrestle in the same match right, anyway. Exactly. So it's literally, are you on the top or the <laughs> bottom there? So. Uh, Joy McKenna versus Evan Henderson next one should be a really exciting one. And really, let's talk a little bit about this top half because I think wrestling fans will just eyeball this and say, okay, Bajrang to the finals, no problem. And then, you know, I think it's often forgotten because uh, well, the way Pelicone went, there was so much stuff happening going on there because you had the Bajrang-Zane match and then I think J.O. Later, mm-hmm. later on that day that – Joe, you forget that McKenna and Punya had a super, super close match. What was the final now? Was it four two? It was four to two. Yes. It was four to two, but yeah. Bajrang was uh winning on criteria two two and McKenna was in very deep with about twenty seconds to go on a shot and Bajrang was able to counter and score a takedown as time expired to kinda of ice it. But McKenna was in extremely deep on a on a shot there at the end. So two two criteria basically uh for Bajrang and, and McKenna. And so, you know, one don't look past Pat Lugo, right? He's um, a guy who I think freestyle really is probably going to be better for him than even folk style, and he was a good folk styler. 
so you can't count him out. But also McKenna has proven he can really go with with the best in the world, including Bajrang Punya. He's a guy that made Final X in 2018. He's a junior world silver medalist. He's really good at freestyle. Pin RTC's got it going on. So I think I think he's he's in the mix. And then Evan Henderson, he he remains a guy and it's funny i forgot to even do any research about this so shame on me ben but one of the guys that that, well you don't even know what i'm about to say because i i I don't even know if you did either because we talked about yesterday because we talked about um who has raised their stock most post collegiately right henderson was a a good folk styler rtc oh oh that one okay got it yeah remember you didn't do it either so um (laughs) I didn't know we were supposed to. As predicted. No, I think I said, well, I mean. Okay, I got Gmail Kelly. I win. Yeah, that was said yesterday. So, but Henderson continues to improve. He's beaten a lot of really good guys. So he's definitely going to be in the mix. I think that's a, maybe it's, it's a toss up match, a slight edge to McKenna on that top side. Okay. Making our way down to the next match. Uh, probably the, the bottom half here is is ridiculous. It's so good, and you already know the four guys in it. You know it's it's Green and Oliver and Ashnault and Marin. It's, it's just a matter of who's matching up against who, right? So the next match I think is fire. I've wanted to see this match for some time. It's Jordan this has never Oliver. Happened. No, I don't think it's happened. Jordan Oliver versus Anthony Ashnault. I don't think the match has ever happened. It will happen December eighteenth. It's a guaranteed matchup, and. Man, I think there's a lot of things that make this match interesting because on the one hand, you say Jordan Oliver, big favorite here. Look at what he did at Senior Nationals. This is a guy on the short list to make the team at 65 kilograms. And I say, yes, very true. Then I think, okay, this could be three hours off the scale, 150, J.O. Is that going to be a factor here? Because I feel like Anthony is going to be making that weight. I think there's no, no secret that... Anthony's going to wake, make that weight a little more comfortably than J.O. And really? can he make pace it? Don't you th- I mean, you don't think Well, that- but hold on. J.O. wrestles 65. Anthony has never actually made 65, has he? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say never, but... Well, I mean, well, okay, in recent memory, post-collegial, has he made 65? Well, it's a it's 150 pounds, right? And he was a 149-pound yeah, NCAA champion. But I'm saying Jordan Oliver wrestles at 143 pounds most of the time. And I, I know Jordan Oliver has the propensity to get big, but um, yeah, you man, can be right. I, I, I thought Ashnall the one year, uh, what is it, 2019, when he lost to James Green, I thought he said something like he would have liked to go down, but he couldn't make the weight or something, something like that. I could be totally wrong, but I feel like I remember him saying something like that. Yeah, maybe from being 49 that entire year, he – said, hey, I don't know. Uh, like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to cut that extra six pounds right now. Maybe you needed more time for that. Yeah. Um, but I think this, this is a really exciting match. Now, J.O., we, we've seen when he's on, he can just run through everybody. But I don't know. I'm, I'm super intrigued here. And I'm, I'm certain that Anthony is, I mean, he's been lasered in on this match for some time now. I think, I think this is a very compelling and competitive match. So they tried, or they were supposed to meet in 2014, a uh, special wrestle really? for a spot on the university world mm. team. And J.O. Wow. I uh, was there. Yeah, J.O. did not make weight. At what weight class? 65 kilos. And if you remember, this is when, <clears throat> wow. so Ashnault beat Surtis at universities. 
if you recall. Oh, yeah. It was that was like shocking at the time because Surtis had just won NCAAs, and uh-huh. then Ashnault comes out and beats him and looks really really good doing it. And then, but Jo because he had like tried to make the world team, I guess he had earned a special wrestle off. And yeah, he was there. He was there at Arizona State, and I think he even I can't remember if he did the camp. But yeah, Ashnault was like kind of automatically on the team. And that's when Nishan and Matt McDonough mm-hmm. had their special wrestle off too for the university spot. Oh man, so yeah, I that, that is an interesting cool. thing. We kind of um, we we kind of mentioned it, but this Anthony was probably the hardest guy to place here. Um, well, we at least yeah. with between him and Henderson because yes. Henderson has a ton of senior level results. Um, and they're all really good, man. The guys, like eight of the last nine tournaments has been top three, and half of those has made the finals. And Anthony doesn't have a ton of senior-level results, and the ones they do is up at 70. Yeah. Um, but when we gave the nod to, to Evan for uh, just his consistency that he's shown. And recency, I think, was a big factor, yes, right? Because absolutely. we have Ashnault, he had his – he made the the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament Finals. That's where he got injured against Green. He beat – Chamberlain and Hydley, which are two excellent wins. And then we hadn't seen him from that point until Pan Am's, which, you know, he didn't really have any common opponents here with anyone. No. So that wasn't, like, incredibly relevant. So we just haven't seen as much of Ashnault, whereas Henderson's been just a little bit more in the streets, I guess. So it, it was kind of six and one, really. I think we just yeah. erred on the side of recency, and uh, with Evan Henderson. So that was like the toughest debate, the 5-6 spot. And, you know, really, it, it's a, it was important to be super deliberate there because the difference is you get J.O. round one or Joy McKenna round one. Like, it's, it's an important thing. So we wanted to make sure we did it right. So Ashnault ends up with the six there. And then we move on down. So by process of elimination, you know that the, the last match here is Bryce Meredith versus James Green. Now, so hey, let me ask you this: Why, um, why is Ashnault over Meredith? I don't remember them wrestling. Obviously, like you said, there's not a lot of data on uh, them because one wrestles 65 <clears throat> and the other wrestles 70. Um, I mean, I think I agree with it, but just curious what you guys are. Why well, you did that? So I would say that Ashnault making uh, a challenge tournament mm-hmm. finals kind of trumps yeah. Meredith's <clears throat> senior level results right now. Yep. Uh, a win over Hydley, a win over Chamberlain. I mean, Chamberlain's a guy that's made Final X. Uh, yep. So, I, I think that's why. And I think Got I it. think Mer- I think Meredith. I think most of the seeding like falls really well in the order because Green is the two seed for a variety of reasons. One, he's made five straight World Teams. He's yeah. a two-time World Medalist, but he's not the one seed because Bajring has more recent World Medals. Okay. Was there he, any was there any thought to pull James Green off the two seed because he lost twice last weekend? No, at this, be, at, at this weight class actually. So actually, I kind of like I suggested that, and then then Bracky was immediately like, "No, why? Because he lost to Yanni, who beat Jo. Because he lost to Yanni, who beat Bajrang. Like it didn't even make sense. So, but Yanni lost to Joey most recently. I, and listen, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I I think it's probably seated where I would have done it, but uh, obviously I think that's kind of like an argument point right there. Yeah, yeah, he did, but um, also James Green is uh, is two and zero against Jordan Oliver yes. as well. Um, so I think yeah, you can't just overlook that either. So I, I think that was a huge part of it. 
Yeah, and sure. b- body of work with Green. I mean, so he so in a weekend he has two criteria losses to a guy who very well could have been though. Tech Jordan Oliver. Yeah, who tech JL. So he lost two two matches by criteria to that guy. All right, that doesn't change that he's a five time world teamer and world medalist. Uh, I think yeah. he's a pretty clear. And to me, it Green and JO had to be the two three. So now it's just a matter of where are they on the bracket, right? The, t- the top side or the bottom side. It's a semifinal matchup if both win. So for that reason, it really didn't matter. And I thought Green was kind of the, I thought he was the clear two with, with uh, somewhat of a shot at the one seed, really. But Lajrang's recency made it. So I think yeah. it made more sense for that. So that's the bracket. But thoughts, we didn't really get into the Meredith Green matchup. Uh, ben, what, what do you think about it? I think uh, I'm gonna have a hard time picking. And obviously, you know, James Green lost two matches last weekend, but I just watched Bryce Meredith lose to Seth Gross. Seth Gross a 57, and James Green is really probably a 70. So I have a hard time seeing Meredith beating Green. And I think Gross actually got through a couple hard shots on Meredith too. And you know, if Seth Gross can do that at that weight class, then I got to assume James Green's gonna be able to do something similar. It's so funny that we're within like a month. We're comparing one wrestler who's wrestled against a, a 125 and here a 150. It's yeah. weird. Because I love like, it. Yeah, yeah, I love I it too. I feel like people but... are finally opening up, Christian. I, you know, I know obviously you've probably tried to put the match together and I, I did the pro thing a whole bunch of years ago. People were so stingy on oh, I won't go up a couple pounds or I won't go down or he's too big, st- stuff like that. And I don't know why, but and maybe, maybe it's just because lack of opportunity, but very recently it feels like that's changing and people are more open. I mean, Bryce, Mer- Bryce Meredith is probably the number one guy. He's wrestled all over the place recently. And yeah. It just feels like people are more open to these, I don't know call them cross weight class or they're, maybe they're just less sensitive to the weight class. I don't know. Is that a good way to put it? Yes, I think that is a good way to put it. I think it still exists, but you're you're right. It's definitely the mindset is changing. Here's here's my thought on this match. On on the one hand, you take James Green credentials and Bryce Meredith's credentials, and you say just James Green next topic, and then then you say, okay, well, three hours off the scale, James Green. We saw three hours off the scale, James Green against Echemendia. And it was really, really close yeah. match, right? Mm-hmm. He teched him, but he was down with 30 seconds to go. So, and then, so now I want to play a comparison game, Bryce Meredith versus Anthony Echemendia. How would we think that match would go? And I think it'd be a pretty competitive match. So doing some math, I'm like, man, maybe this is more of a match than when you initially look at it, you just kind of overlook it. Now yeah. I'm like I don't know, man. Bryce Meredith is not gonna <laughs> come in this match to. Um, he's gonna believe well, he's what, got a chance here, right? Sure, but what what about the fact that he just he did just lose to Seth Gross, right? For for talking about James Green's last weekend, which obviously I brought I brought up because it wasn't his best weekend ever. Um, yeah. I mean the the Bryce Meredith thing has to be relevant. I, I don't recall what weight class exactly they weighed in at for that, um, but you know. Seth Gross is going to wrestle 57 kilograms in his next tournament. So, um, yeah. you know, he's, he's relatively small. He's, he's not, he's not as big as James Green as I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I wish I, I hadn't seen the match. Did you watch a match with him and gross? No. Yeah. Did you watch a match? Yeah. yeah it was like 10, eight or 10, it was kind of controversial. 
Uh, I I didn't really feel that way. No, okay. I mean, obviously with those guys, there's a couple scrambles, but you know, I, I hope I'm not messing this up, but I feel like Seth, Seth went through him on a couple shots, like, which, you know, Seth's usually two on one, that kind of stuff. Um, but no, um, I thought it was relatively controversy free. Actually. I, I didn't think anything was that debatable. Okay. So round one, lo- looking at this, do you see any potential upsets, Ben? Lugo, Lugo over uh, Hunya. Really? Nah, I don't know. I mean, that, that would be right. A- everything else, I, I guess, Meredith over Green would be a relatively big upset. But the the, the middle two bouts, Henderson, McKenna, Oliver, Ashnault, man, ne- none of those guys are going to be big favorites over the other ones. So then you look at the outside two matches. Um, and I, after watching Bryce Meredith, um, and, and I, I love that he's wrestling everywhere, but that means I've also got to see him a whole bunch. I've got to see right. him against uh, uh, DeSanto, Gross, and who's Bart, yeah, Bo Bartlett. Yeah. yeah, and I just feel like James Green's better. And so then that leads me with uh, Lugo over Punya. Uh, Lugo looked good. The I guess we've seen him twice, twice now. Um, he's been looking pretty good. And I think he'll probably have a size advantage on Bajrang. Um, and Lugo doesn't usually gas out, which is obviously a great uh, weapon for Bajrang. Yeah, that's true. Bajrang has a way of gassing the ungassable, seemingly. <laughs> he didn't gas Yanni. No, he sure didn't. That match was wild. Yeah, that match was wild. Those were, did you get? Did you watch that? I mean, you were like next. Yeah, I was like up in the stands. I had to watch <laughs> it. Was, it was. It was honestly like from a fan's perspective, and I wasn't supposed to be being a fan, but I'm a Yanni fan, so and it was in America. It was bonkers because I was. You know, remember? Do you remember? I walked down the um, like staircase type mm-hmm. thing. And that place was packed. I mean, we had, we sold out the wherever that damn thing. It was it was Madison Square Garden, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, the the uh, Hulu Theater. There was like five thousand fans. They were going nuts for Yanni. I mean, it, it was freaking wild. We oh, got uh, we got a tweet here from James Green. He was watching the show live, and uh, he thinks he thinks Luga is going to beat Bajrang. Oh my gosh! Oh. Wow. Shot. We should get James on. I want to. I want to know why he thinks that. He's a better wrestling mind than. Racky and I, that's for sure. Man, I, I, that's interesting. Who, who I, I wonder I, if it's because uh, I wonder if it's because he thinks he can really endure the hand fight. Like Lugo's a really good hand fight. Does he think he can like yeah. underhook him and move him? That would be when, that would be absolutely shocking. When does uh, Bajran come over? Like, so he's, when does he get here? He's in the United States now. He's at the Cliff King yeah, Wrestling Club. Yeah, he was. He got there, I think, around RTC Cup weekend. So he's okay. he's gonna be fully acclimated. He's gonna have a get a camp in with the Cliff King crew. So I don't think that'll be a factor. But man, that's a that would be that would be something if it happened. Yeah. Um. That's uh that, that that's my upset pick upset special pick right there. Dang. So that's it. So you're you're really yeah. you're not trolling. Uh. Well, I I went through Hawkeye all the other ben. choices. <laughs> Hawkeye Ben. I, I, listen, I've been a Hawkeye fan this whole time. People just hating. <laughs> oh man, who, who did Lugo beat at the rooftop thing? I'm Fletcher right now. Fletcher, Fletcher, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, Green okay. right, Green says I believe McKenna comes out uh, of his match, so he likes McKenna over. 
I think I'd like McKenna over Harrison. I, it would put him a very slight favorite. And like I said, that one's not going to be a strong favorite, but I think I'd put McKenna at a slight favorite over Henderson. I'd put Oliver at a slight favorite over Ashnall, and I would put um, Green as a solid favorite over Bryce Meredith. Yeah. So if you don't know what we're the heck we're doing, uh, this this is a the winner gets twenty five thousand dollars, but there's no chump change for getting uh, second, third, or fourth here. Fifteen for runner up. 10 for third and 5k for fourth place. So winning a match is uh, a substantial uh, of significant financial impact. Right. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to have a scrap for that third place match with 5k on the line. So, uh, gonna be an exciting night. We did this with the 195 pound bracket. It was really fun. Gonna do it again here with the, with the 150 on December 18th here in Austin. We'll call it Austin, but it's round rock. Round Rock, Tech, Round Rock, Texas. Close enough. It's cl- it's really close. So Wait, very excited. Round Rock, not Austin. Yeah. So it's at um. So there's a a triple A AAA baseball team called the Round Rock Express. And they have a okay. um. They have a. I guess it's like a. I haven't been there yet. I'm gonna go tomorrow because we're having a grappling event there. Check that oh, out. Wow. Hidalfo Vieira yeah, versus yeah. Kynan. Oh, you guys don't like the Omni anymore? No, they weren't available. Oh, but I also they would be per- permanently available for you. No, no, we may be moving. Uh, well, never mind. <laughs> almost. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I almost let it slip. <laughs> I almost let it slip, but I didn't. So, but ha- hang tight, people. Good news is good news is on the way today. Uh, but no, yeah, we move it around. The Omni wasn't available. We're gonna have it uh, at Dell Diamond, which is gonna be cool. Not on the baseball field. They have like a convention center area thing. No one cares. Move it. Keep it moving. Everyone cares about these matches. They're going to be really good. We're super pumped for it. And can't wait for the guys to get to town. Especially Bajrang because like, man, what a, what a star. Yeah. And so, Bracky, give your theory on why you think Bajrang is so popular. Not just internationally, but in, in the United States. Uh, yeah. I think... I think it's because he he wrestles like an American a lot, and we're not used to seeing that from um, from foreigners. You know, the Russians they don't wrestle like us, um, but this guy he goes out and he wrestles hard in your face for six minutes, and he wrestles everywhere. Like we, there was a stretch there. Yeah, that's um, a big one. The past two years, yeah, he's just competing all the time, and we don't see that out of the Russians or anyone else that's really one of the top guys in the world. I mean, he's competing more than a lot of Americans. And every, like, I mean, he's at Mateo Pelicone. He's in New York at Beat the Streets. He's taking all these matches. He's not afraid of anybody. I think people like that attitude. They, they like what they see when he's on the mat, too. Yeah, I feel, you know what? Actually, one thing I've been really big on in, for the UFC guys recently, if you've been paying attention, is like the guys who get the star power are the guys who just show up a lot. And for for a fighter, show up a lot means four times a year, right? A lot of these guys are only showing up twice a year, once a year. Um, you know, but you look at like Chimeyev, the guy who just got really popular, he showed up three times in sixty days to fight. You know, that's like that builds a star. And so I, I think you nailed it about him being everywhere. It's almost impossible to be a fan of someone when they show up freaking twice a year and you don't know when they're gonna show up and you don't know how to watch them. I mean, that right, that's a big problem of international wrestling is like Okay, when do I watch these guys? Where do I watch these guys? Are they going to show up at Worlds? Are they going to show up at Euros? Are they, you know, where literally where are they going to show up? And if I can't watch a guy 
three, four, five times a year, uh, it's really hard for me to become a fan. And then, then you take that to the college scene. Why do we become big fans of the college guys? Well, we know exactly where they're going to they're gonna show up about mm-hmm. 20 times a year. 20 times a year, we get to watch these guys, become familiar with them, enjoy them. And the international level, that's just not the case. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even think about the fact that he competes everywhere, Brad. How yeah. about this? Uh, Kozak says, Bajrang has wrestled the most matches since 2018 of any freestyle wrestler. Holy crap. Wow. Wrestled the most. Yeah. Is the chat feature off on Facebook? Because uh, there's only like I've, a couple I've had comments. To re- I've had to refresh it today. I don't know why. It's not updated Weird. in real okay. time. Yeah. Got it. Bracky will keep clicking the refresh button. Well, at first, like, we were 10 minutes in the show and no one had said anything. I was like, this is not right. Yeah, something's <laughs> up. Yeah, it's not right. It's not right at all. <laughs> that is weird. Uh, no, so, yeah. That, but, but listen, someone showing up is huge. And I think, um, you know, like, well, we just talked about him. Bryce Meredith, someone who just, who's been showing up a lot lately. I have become more of a fan of Bryce Meredith. Why? Because I got to watch him. I, I love that he's showing up a lot. I mean, that is like, I don't think you can pay enough attention to that if you're a wrestler and you want to get, um, you know, some attention. Because listen, when you get attention, then you're more likely to get paid more for your next match. Yeah. So, um, and obviously, in in my view, I think people get better when they compete. I mean, I know when maybe when you get older, older, but like you're right out of college, you're 22, you're 23. I really don't get why you wouldn't compete, try to compete 30 to 40 times a year, kind of like the college season. And I know I'm probably in the minority in that thought process, but I could tell you the year after college, I wrestled in the Sunkist, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. I wrestled in NYC, which is now a new name. I wrestled in the tournament in Vancouver. Uh, I went to the World Cup. I went to the tournament in Ukraine. I mean, I think I wrestled in six tournaments prior to the Open um, and then and then the trials. Yeah, I would say one one of the obstacles is, you know, to compete uh, that much on the senior level. There's an element of international travel that's like you can't yeah. just go hit hit an open like you would collegiately. But yeah, yeah and I think I, part of it makes me wonder, especially for Americans when they go from college to senior level, we we see their their comp their number of competitions go way way down. How much of it way is down. like Dude, I just did a four, five-year grind, the D1 thing. I'm ready to make weight once every three months and, and you know, just train. But, but what you feel like and what's best for you are not always the same thing. Very right? true. Very true. So, Welcome to life. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I think there's definitely an aspect of that. And, again, I, th- I think I would be in the minority um, here of, of older people, you know, of – coaches saying what your international level wrestlers do and again i'm not advocating this for you know someone who's 30 like gabe dean right i'm yeah. saying guys who are he's just not out 30 guys who are just out of college they're, they're 22 they're 23 they're getting their feet wet in in the senior level freestyle stuff dude go compete go compete a handful of times um you know, one thing, Thomas Gilman went and he went and wrestled in Russia. Remember, he spent some time over there and mm-hmm. competed in a couple of different tournaments. Like, I thought that was fantastic. So, if I were that age again, that's, and I did, right? I told you, I guess, so I competed in six tournaments, then the Open, then the Trials, then the Olympics, right? So, that's nine tournaments. I, I don't know if I got, I think a couple of tournaments, I got five or six matches, but most are probably like three or four. So, maybe somewhere around 30 matches. I would absolutely try to do that because I think I think competing is so important towards progressing as an athlete. Where did Sargush pull your hair out? <laughs> World Cup. 
Daggone it, Sargouche. That son of a gun. At yeah. the World Cup. Is nothing sacred, Dennis? Well, we were in Russia, so I mean, oh, it was gosh. like, you know, yeah, if I like, I wasn't getting any calls. Come on, the referee was like, eh, it's, it's fine. Like, just keep wrestling. Yeah. Shut up. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. One, another thing with, with Bajrang's pool, like his styles, definitely. I think people are just drawn to the, the way he wrestles. Not only is he like super physical, but like many of his matches and one of his, he'll like, he'll like be down and he storms back and he's like this mini underdog story in all these matches, uh, yeah. right? Like people like that. It's like a mini Rocky type of thing. Like this guy's the underdog, but he just keeps going and he endures and he goes through it and he uses, people like when pace is a weapon, right? People mm-hmm. just think there's oh, something. Americans about, love that. There's something about seeing a guy just unable to physically continue or a girl like they just can't keep going because they're just some their opponent just brought them to a point where they can't go any further. And it's just like because while it just appears like some person's will won out. Like it's not just some yeah. chess match. It's like, no, this person wanted it more. And is it really that? I don't know. Maybe you're like you're you're waiting on it. Like what yeah. would be what would be the breaking point? Can this person you know, yeah. withstand the pressure and not will. Yeah, it's it's something like you're waiting about. Yeah, that's I, I love it. There's yeah, there's, like so, there's something about um, there's something about you. Know, hold on, I I have a very valid point to make, and then I have a great thought for you. So don't <laughs> let me forget my thought. Um, there is something about the, the you know right there's a, there is this blue collar ethos in wrestling, which sometimes I think is a little too much thought of. Where you know specifically pace is thought of as you got this because you worked hard. And sometimes wrestlers who are super athletic, right? Fast switch versus slow twitch. And they gas out. They're almost like berated a little too much in my opinion, because bodies are just different. I mean, when I, when I was a college athlete, um, probably not now, who knows, maybe now I I'm so slow twitch. Dude, I could have sat on the couch for a month. I could have got up and I wrestled. I could have wrestled 30 minutes hard. There's no doubt. I, I did it a couple times. Right. And, that was just who I was and I didn't have to, I did work very hard, right? I worked very, very hard, but I didn't have to work that hard at that aspect of it where certain other people, they could work hard and they, they were not going to have my gas tank ever. So, um, yeah. So that's me, me on my soapbox. You already heard yeah. my funny thought now. Sure. I love your okay. funny thoughts, but, uh, yeah, no, just go with the funny it, it, thoughts. It's actually, it's, re- it's relevant to this topic. So, good. um, well, I almost picked on Bracky for having Red Bull earlier since he's burning a sponsor, but that was not my thought. My thought was I clicked on a match last night. Um, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's wrestling, thank God. Okay, but Christian, these dudes got these dudes got to wear masks. Oh my, it sucks. What's yeah. it look yeah. like? So I'm watching. Uh, I, you got you just got to watch it. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I turn it on, and it's almost like you forget, right? Because we don't want to make anyone wear masks at practice, and we've had zero spread. Uh, I turned this on. I'm like, oh, damn, they got masks on. Um, okay. I got a match for you guys. Ready? Bajrang and mm-hmm. and Musakayev, and you tell them they have to wear masks. How fast could Musakayev gas? He's not going to get through the warm-up if he does it in a mask. <gasps> oh, my be- gosh. Musakayev in a mask. That would be so great. How much? How much money? What would the odds have to be? For you to take Musakayev in that match, I mean, I don't even know if Vegas would put a put a line out. <laughs> oh no, they wouldn't. He he would gas so hard; it's impossible for him to win that match. Yeah, how does he not get teched? 
And he's so good too. It's like he's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, there's there's no way he's finishing that match. Uh yeah, that that'd be a good one. It's uh but one I was gonna kinda pick on you a little bit because you're describing oh. you know, when you're talking about different bodies do different things, it's like, well yeah, you you were I would describe that you had you had some talent in that area. Like there's just natural, innate gift that you had Correct. to not well, get it's tired. Innate. It's innate, but when we say talent, it's like again, what what bucket of of skills, you know, are you going to pick that makes you specifically talented? Because then you would say, well, I didn't have the speed of the power that some other people are able to generate. So that's a negative, right? And so remember my whole argument is the fact that everyone has different things and they can all use those things to end up being successful. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know if this, uh, this flows organically or not, but somehow the, the Anthony Robles advantage debate got started. Oh, over again. I don't, oh no, I'm not the, in for that. This is so dumb. Ben's out. Ben's out. All right. I've already went on my soapbox about this like 27 times. Okay. No 28th. It, that is that actually the, the good wrestler from um uh Nebraska? that is the good wrestler Eric that? Montoya. Eric, Eric, oh man, you're dumb. Eric, I'm sorry. Now Eric's not dumb, but I do think Well he's, he's dumb if he's dumb if he's quoted. Listen, here here okay, here's all I'm saying. And I'm I probably damn it. No one was saying Anthony Robles had an advantage when he lost eight matches as a junior. Nobody said that, Christian. Yeah. Not one person. Then all of a sudden, Anthony Robles goes and figures out how to, to use that to his advantage, right? Which was just a few extra things. Okay, he was already pretty good. And then the following year, he dominates. And now all of a sudden, oh my gosh, it's so unfair. He's so strong. Look, no one was saying it was unfair when he had eight losses. No one. It was. It's freaking moronic. It is so moronic. Yeah, people were scoring on him. Uh, frequently, you know, Eric, Eric said like, no, there's no way to score on him. He was scored on all the time. I remember for, when Brandon Preeson dumped him, I think to his back in, uh, 2009, it, it happened. You could score on Anthony Robles. I think he, I don't know for sure, Ben, but did Ben care take him down that year at NCAAs? The Utah Valley he guy. Had, he always had tough matches. Yeah. So he had the toughest matches against guys who were really powerful, like Ryan Mango and Ben Kerr. Uh, I don't recall Ben Kerr taking him down, but I know he had, he he wrestled him really tough. Yeah, he did wrestle him tough. I can't recall either. But anyway, but it's more interesting now because McDonough seems to really want to wrestle him again, which is kind of interesting. Wait, what? Where, where do you see this? Matt McDonough came to his defense and was like, "Yeah, shut up. This is really stupid. Matt's like, he had no advantage yeah, other than, you know, he did, he did everything I did. He just, he just beat me. Uh, but then he's, he said, uh, Anthony Robles made the same weight as everyone else, took drug tests like everyone else, and has lost like everyone else. No advantage, just hard work. I do still want my rematch, though. And then McDonough <laughs> sent another tweet kind of like, hey, at Flow Wrestling, at the, you know, whatever. Um, and Robles replied, my brother, you're a true champion, my friend. Thank you. A rematch will be fun. And McDonough said, I won't turn down a good time. One decade later, it seems Wait, fitting. Robles wants to wrestle? <laughs> no, he's just doing pull-up contests. Do yeah. yeah, you ain't beating him in a oh pull-up contest. You might want to wrestle or not. You got to wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. Are you and, in for uh, that to, match? To correct, correct Matt's statement. Um, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't hard work because he was a relatively hard worker. Those up. 
it was that he figured it out. And this is this is my whole thing about wrestling is people get too stuck on the hard work thing. They get too stuck on the guessing out thing. And really, wrestling is a series of problem solving. And Anthony Robles' his problem as junior was I can't get on top of people fast enough because he does he was super explosive and he gets very, very tired, especially because the fact he doesn't have two legs. He has to use almost exclusively his arms when he's on top. Mm-hmm. So the the problem that he figured out going into senior was how do I get on top faster? How do I become more effective uh, at taking people down quickly? And he, he figured that out because and he didn't have that problem figured out his junior year. Right. Go Robles. He's the man. What he's a, he is a, truly an inspiration. I want to. Um, oh man, we just got this. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but I want to show oh. it. Uh, this RTC Cup highlight. It's like two minutes long. Um, for those was viewers right now, uh, it might have been. It ran on Facebook. I don't know if it got directly uploaded. But here, check this out real quick. Oh, All right, the first ever RTC Cup has come to a close. It was an amazing two days of wrestling. Dual meets are such uh, an exciting way to present the sport and bring the team aspect in. Really outstanding performances though. Vito Rujao and, and Yanni. How's 68 kilos feeling out there like against you know bigger guys? You know, maybe they're a little bigger than me. I don't know what it looks like out there, but I don't care. I'm just here to wrestle. <laughs> I wrestle Kyle, I wrestle, you know, Evan Henderson, who's a big 65, so the size doesn't matter. I'm happy with how I wrestled. My skills were really good. I was sharp. I just gotta you know, make sure I'm wrestling harder and go out and try to impose on the guy more. Trent Heidley. Wow. Great performance from him. I'm really proud of the way uh, our team wrestled, and I think, you know, a lot of these dual meets were decided by, you know, one match point. So a lot of close calls, a lot of good wrestling. Uh, I, was, I was happy to be a part of it, and uh, hopefully the fans get the message that Raising the Roof is officially back. <laughs> Just all around, a great atmosphere. The duels were intense. The guys were yelling back and forth, cheering off their teammates. I love for Gwiz. I mean, he is the best competitor, like I said. I said in my interviews that I was going to do the job, and his time is coming soon. And it was the Cliff Keen Wrestling Club coming out on top. They took out the Southeast slash NJ RTC in the finals. We came to rock your house. We came to set you straight. My is all I need. It was a great, a great total team effort, and we had a great bench, a lot of energy. These guys support each other, they train hard together, and uh, it was a ton of fun. Thirteen dual meets over two days. All the archives are on the site. Go check them out and enjoy this great wrestling. We'll see you next time. Little treat for you guys. Hope you liked it. Cool video. Thanks to Sean Connell, Vader, for helping put that together. Sick stuff. Uh, 
hey, I want to – do you want to talk about Stanford? Because we, we mentioned uh, – maybe we mentioned yesterday. I can't even recall if that was just before the show or whatever. But they put out a statement about some of their guys going in the portal. Um, want to go into that a little bit, Bracky? Yeah, we didn't get to talk about it yesterday. That was just uh, us before the show. But they put out a statement saying, like, hey, don't freak out. We're going to uh, – five of our better guys are going to go in the portal tomorrow. But that's just for kind of uh, – to make sure they're good in case the school decides not to bring back wrestling, which all those guys are committed to Stanford if they have a school to wrestle for, obviously. They want to they wanna compete there. They chose to go there for a reason. And uh, also the, the statement talked about how much money they've raised, which is an insane amount of money. Yeah. Uh, $12, million, so $12 million and counting since September uh, when their fundraising efforts began. And, I mean – it makes sense that Stanford is able to raise that kind of money. Yeah. And, I mean, how could you say no to that? I don't understand. Yeah. This school, they went out and did it uh, on their own. And if other sports can't do that at Stanford, then that sounds like their problem. Uh, wrestling yes. went out and found $12 million, and that's going to sustain their program yeah. for a long time. For a long time. For a very long time, and uh, probably forever, right, 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 Kyle. I mean, if you can get say five or six percent interest on that twelve million, you could probably run a program on on the interest. Yeah, yeah, and you got to think that they keep having success. Those donors are going to want to continue to give um, as well. So I, I just, man, I don't. I know. I think it was when Coach Brelly was on here or somewhere else. I saw that they, the school, really. At least has told them right now, like we have to bring back everybody. And I yeah, don't understand that's why that so why that's the case. Um, yeah. Some of those aren't even. They should say, okay, bring back every NCAA sport. Some of them aren't even NCAA sports. Yeah, just a like number of them are not rich people clubs sanctioned by the NCAA. Yeah, yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they come back. But get into who's in. Yeah. What's, what's the deal? Uh, so the guys that went in the portal: Nathan Traxler, Shane Griffith, Jaden Abbas. Uh, Hayden Maley and Logan Ashton. Real um, was already in. Is he and he's real was already in. I don't. I don't know if he pulled himself. I think. Yeah, I think he did withdraw. Um, but it's weird. He didn't go back in. Yeah. Well, I think the plan for him is. Um, I think they figured Robert. out that he can graduate by okay. next December. Oh yeah, he's just hustling to graduate. Exactly. Really? Yes. That My, early? He's a beast. Well, he's got his red shirt. Okay. I'm sure he was probably taking stuff in the summer, staying there in the summer. So this is his wow. – he's in the start of his third year. So he'll actually only graduate a semester early when you think about it. Oh, you're saying – oh, so you're saying it's three – so next December, three and a half years. But then yes. he would miss a whole fall semester with some – you know, with – But he would still he be, be able to – He'd be somewhere else. By, by January, he'd be yeah, able to wrestle. Yeah, he'd be able to compete second semester for his new school if uh, they just – Sure. Do not uh, decide to keep wrestling, which is awesome because that. I mean, ultimately, it's there, there's a reason these guys go to Stanford, and mm-hmm. it's not just because they have a good wrestling program. It's one of the best schools in the country, and yeah. I, I would re- it would really stink if a guy like Real, whose dream was to go to and graduate from Stanford, in order to continue his wrestling career, had to go somewhere that wasn't there, right? And it would have to jack up your. Um, I don't know. Your degree yeah. stuff's not going to transfer one to one, so it, it that's a really cool thing. Hopefully, they just bring it back. But 
I know a lot of the plan is for most of these guys to finish their undergrads and then transfer, um, which is which is cool. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what the statement said, too. Uh, in worst case scenario, almost all will stay until they earn their Stanford degrees and then look to continue their eligibility in a graduate program elsewhere. Yeah. So uh, got a got a uh, it was an FRL question, but I kind of want to bump it up and before uh, make it its own topic. So a, a tweet from Weathersfield Wrestling, and and he said or she said agreed that the IOC is a big bad org. And the Olympics get a little ridiculous, but winning Olympic medal is still the greatest individual sport accomplishment. And I assume he means in wrestling. And so I wanted to kind of unpack that a little bit and talk about it because. What I guess I have questions like what is it that makes that true? Because I don't dis- I don't disagree that that is true. But what are the things that make it true that the Olympics are the pickle sport? I feel like it's like really it's probably two things. And Ben, you could you were in the Olympics, so you could probably speak to this uh, a little better than me. But I think there's two things. One, it's every four years. It's not an every year thing. I think that is one of the things that makes the Olympics unique. It's not uh, an annual thing. And two. The other thing that makes it the the sport's greatest accomplishment is that all the best guys go and that there's one from each nation, okay? Those are the two things that make the Olympics the best. So I I just have to ask, what about that makes you think we have to have the Olympics to do that? Where is your is your imagination so small that you think we couldn't figure that out? We couldn't have the teams pick. I mean, we do it every year with UWW as is anyways. We could have something that separates. We could have a narrower field and we could do it every four years and call it whatever you want to call it. So now you're just, now yeah. it's just well, that it's Chris, called Chris, the Olympics. Look. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to look very far to realize that again, that's just wrestling. Basketball. It's not the most important thing, right? They have mm-hmm. to kind of talk those guys into going to play. I believe that's similar with, uh, cycling, for example, the Tour de France is much larger. Um, tennis, I believe, has other bigger events. Golf, I don't think all the best people show up. So it's oh. it's not like it's this way across all sports. Yeah, it's, it's across you know, Honestly, wrestling. It, it, we then, talked about this, but we talked. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like it's oh. it's not the pinnacle for any healthy sports, as far as I can tell. Name well, a healthy self sustaining sports. Yeah, yeah. You're right. It's not the pinnacle for any sports. It's the pinnacle for gymnastics, which is often in peril, right? NCAA men's gymnastics is like swimming, swimming, um, yeah. track and field, track and field. These aren't like so. I think it's so. Not the- and so we're t- we're talking about sports who. Well, this is like what what flow sports does, but sports who are not able to monetize themselves in any way, shape, or form. Right. Um, prior to the advent of the internet. And because we we were forced to, and for whatever reason, probably probably because they were just generally the most exciting. But you know, football is on TV all the time. Um, tennis has a, a big place on TV, and I don't really know why, because I find tennis to be utterly boring. Uh, basketball, right? I don't like tennis. These other ones, soccer, soccer's in soccer's in the Olympics, but the World Cup is much bigger for soccer. Soccer has a very large TV contract, and so uh, yes, these other sports who found a way to monetize themselves. And athletes who are getting paid for a living to do the sports, um, they they sometimes do the Olympics, but they don't always do the Olympics. So I think mm. obviously, yes, wrestling can do that. Uh, we're in a better place than we've ever been, and you know, hopefully, there is some point in time where we have to say, 
come on, Jordan, just go do the Olympic team. You can come back to your pro league after this, <laughs> but you know, will you please just be on our team so we can do a little better? You know, yeah. hopefully there's a day like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, FIFA runs the World Cup, and it's like literally the entire world turns its eyes to it every every four years. Like it is it is a thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, we. I get why the Olympics are the pinnacle, but nothing about what the IOC does is unique or special, right? Yeah, they, they're just are the are the thing that our governing body f- feeds into, and so we do it. Yeah. But basically, it's just the word Olympics now is what we're hung up. Well, on, in my so, opinion. Well, the- and Christian, if you so, I mean, the other part there that if you look at it is that the governments oftentimes fund the development of athletes in other sports who are not able to fund themselves, um, right? Right. So wrestling, lots of athletes, and this is not just America, but across the board, are not able. There's no like professional outlet; they can't fund themselves. So the government gives money to, you know, uh, sports development programs, uh, mm-hmm. possibly jobs to athletes, like in Russia. Um, actually. You know, I, and I think more and more people are becoming wise to what the IOC is all about, and that's why they're getting some pushback, and that's why they they probably are becoming less popular. I would say, um, and and I think over the course of time, as we continue to see that they're just really money hungry, um, that their popularity will wane, and hopefully more and more sports will become self sustaining, and they won't need the Olympics, and then you know they they can kiss our butt. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Kiss it. <laughs> just just kiss it. Uh respectfully. <laughs> respectfully, IOC, kiss it. Uh so I thought good point. Listen, the Olympics are the pinnacle, right? But we don't I don't think wrestling has to have that to have a an amazing pinnacle of our sport. That's all I'll say about it, I guess. Until yes. I think about it again and have a different uh opinion about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where, where, oh, Brecky has an alien hour. I don't oh know what it's about. Goodness. I don't know if it's a good one, a bad one, but we're ready for it. So without any further ado, Kyle Brecky's alien hour. It's been a while. Um, and I, I really think uh, some of this stuff took off right after uh, Ben and I did our solo uh, one right before Thanksgiving. Um, but in Utah, it's pretty wild stuff. Just in the middle of uh, discover, it was in Utah's remote Red Rock country. But on November eighteenth, oh, okay. uh, a metal monolith uh, appeared, just in the middle of this uh, like canyon. Mm. Pretty wild, right? Okay, yes. so things just keep on getting a little bit weirder uh, around like that. Um, so the Department of Public Safety uh, publicly announced. Uh, they'd found this thing um, and we're checking it out, trying to figure out what it was. Uh, and then just four days later, the monolith disappeared. Where did it go? What? Is it aliens? Is it alien? or did some of the aliens left behind? Was when they artist were... picked it up in his Ford F-150 or something. Maybe, maybe not. Well, the, the, uh, yeah, so. You don't know. <clears throat> They, uh, there are people trying to claim that they are the ones that, that took it back. Or not took it back, but just took it because they said it was uh, interrupting nature or disturbing nature or some BS oh, right. like that. But this started kind of like a, a chain reaction around the world. On December 1st, uh, a town in Romanian had a monolith appear. 
No, it disappeared on uh, December 1st. Right before December 1st, it appeared. And then there was one in Southern California. These things are weighing 200 pounds. Tim, the one in California was 10 hey, feet tall. I throw that up on my shoulder. Oh. I think this is an artist. This is an artist running some gimmick. No, it's not. All over the country. It's just all over the country. Fayetteville, North Carolina. Fayetteville had one? Yeah, Fayetteville Fay- had yeah, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, copycats. Copycats. <laughs> Copycat monolithic. Copycats, or this is a planned attack invasion. What? You think we're, we're vulnerable here? You think we're gonna... I'm not sure we're vulnerable, but uh, this could be a coordinated effort. From uh, what, Whoa. Alpha Centauri? What are we talking about here? I don't know what we're talking about. That's what the problem. We don't know what we're dealing with. <laughs> so but the- if you listen to uh, a former Israeli space security chief. Oh, boy. He knows a lot. He knows some stuff. Oh, oh yeah. What's he say? Okay, so this guy, Haim Uh-oh. Ashed, Uh-oh. he's the former head of Israel's Defense Ministry Space Directorate. Got it. Okay. Simple title. The unidentified flying object, he said, quote, the unidentified flying objects have asked not to publish that they are here. Humanity is not ready yet. So the UFOs are asking to keep this. So the UFOs said, keep keep our existence off the record, please. Yeah. He said there's cooperation agreements that have been signed between species, including an underground base in the depths of Mars where there are American astronauts and alien representatives. I'm sorry. There's a signed (laughs) document. So we have two different worlds, and they're what? They're they're just getting in docu signed and signing the. Uh, yeah, man, they're putting ink to this paper. This dude's a cool. First of all, is it, sign, is it signed with ink or is it signed with, um, you know, maybe something like maybe they made the blockchain. Maybe it's signed on the blockchain or something. Maybe yeah, it could be. He said, "Quote: in. There is an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here." Okay, so this dude, <laughs> this guy is either lying or a total snitch. Nope, he's telling the truth. He said he came forward now because more people are willing to accept that this is reality and these things are out there. And he feels comfortable finally talking about this. He said, if I, I came forward 10 years ago, I'd be locked up in a loony bin. I think that's still <laughs> on the table, personally. And also, did we not sign an agreement? We signed an agreement with these people. Can we not anger them? Well, I mean, who knows? People. We don't know if he's breaking the agreement. Maybe yeah. I think he violated the agreement. <laughs> he, there's an NDA. He, he said that President Trump was aware of the extraterrestrial's existence and has been, quote, on the verge of revealing information, but was asked not to in order to prevent mass hysteria. I thought Trump was going to reveal this, Bracky. Didn't he say he was going to reveal Apparently it? Apparently, he'd been did. wanting to. Also, Bill Clinton really wanted to reveal stuff, and they wouldn't let him. Well, they, they had too much dirt on him, so he couldn't. <laughs> Meanwhile, Trump, he's squeaky clean, so. <laughs> He said, quote, they've been waiting until today for humanity to develop and reach a stage where we will understand in general what space and spaceships are. There's a galactic federation is what he's referring to. There's a galactic federation. Yeah. Okay, got it. Got it. Like NATO. Uh, Well, what do you think about uh, a spokesperson for the Pentagon Pentagon declining to comment? (laughs) Of course. Hmm? I I really thought you were going to say something else. Like him him saying like blah, blah, blah. Not declining to comment. Of course he declined to comment. What's he going to say? Uh, he could refute it. That would be a start. Listen. And the White House and Israeli officials did not phrase, immediately respond to NBC News for requests for comment. Haven't you heard the the phrase, I'm not going to indulge that with with a response, right? Not gonna, Or not going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> that's all that is. That's, a, that's the pinning on me. Like, listen, I'm trying to keep this nation safe. You got me talking about alien conspiracy theories. Sir, please bark up a different tree. We got this guy. We got talking about the Galactic Federation. 
You got monoliths appearing all over the place. This is no coincidence, folks. Maybe the monoliths are pissed or are showing up because they're pissed that this guy is talking. I mean, he oversaw numerous launches of Israeli satellites into space. Numerous. This isn't Christian. some jabroni. Numerous. This Listen, isn't a jabroni. Christian. I get, is this a, like a Bob Lazar? Listen, you know, maybe there's he something. Might sue, he might sue you for defamation or something because you, you <laughs> say you're locked up. Well, um, yeah, I'd be screwed. <laughs> I wouldn't be good, but I, I, I think I'm protected here. Um, it's just my opinion, man. Here in America, we can say what we feel. I'm just glad that, you know, there's people outside the United States that are like, yeah, this is real. And the U.S. is working with them. All right. Well, thank them for... The government's hiding it. Well, we we remain safe from them. So I don't think the monoliths have anything to do... I feel like if the aliens were trying to communicate, they'd do better than 200-pound mirrors. But, um, you know, it is interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It... Maybe they were bringing stuff back from uh, Earth, and they just didn't have enough room for the monolith. They're like, ah, let's just mess with them. And they just came we'll back and it. got them a little bit later. No, Overfilled. someone stole it. Someone stole it. These people on YouTube, yeah, they stole definitely. it. YouTubers are stealing it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Fayetteville, North Probably Carolina. You know who's from Fayetteville, Logan North Carolina? JMZ. Our boy John Michael Zach, American hero. Uh, is from, he calls it Fayetteville. Yeah. He won't. He won't let them invade. Yeah, listen. <laughs> all I need to know is that we got JMZ on our side. This guy is a legend, Ben. I don't know. If, have you met him yet? I met him. Yes, I met him. I met him. Oh man, what a legend. So yeah. Um, I, we next time he's in Austin, we have to get him on FRO. Get him on the show. Yeah, he needs. He needs a freaking movie. Oh, I he, thought he lived in Austin. Well, he does in the summer. Um, his girlfriend's from here, so he comes and stays here in the summer. But he's still in school. Because something about the military will pay for all of his college. He wants to really graduate with a degree. So we have to wait for him to graduate before he comes over here and, and lives uh, among his friends. So, yeah, he's doing that. Um, but hopefully we get him over here soon. But, yeah, we'll have him on FRL for sure. Okie doke. Should we, should we go for some questions? Do we got some questions. All right. Oh, you guys got your, your guy. Oh, we've here. got this hip toss. Tee oh, yeah. Tee it up, KB. Uh -oh. This is uh, what well, we talked about. Number talk 72 is pushing in like a jabroni. Who taught him how to do that? What do you mean? Oh, he's, he's, already seen well, he, he's, a, he's an offensive lineman. Covered. That's his job. Now, the problem, is, the problem is that the play is already over. Um, unfortunately, Oklahoma State did allow the touchdown here, but uh, Brock Martin here just sends him for a ride. Hi, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Uh, and he, Brock Martin said on Twitter after the game, uh, he should have done his research before wanting to be a tough guy. Boom. Um, yeah, Google me, bro. That's a, yeah, that's beautiful. Solid uh, four-pointer. He's got to be significantly point. smaller than that guy. I'm, I'm looking up number 72 for TCU oh, right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a big old boy. 6'7", yeah, uh, 325 pounds. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> you have to have a lot of power to move him with that sort of significance, even though his you know, his position was great. What's he, 260? Brock Martin's listed at 6'3", 240. Wow. Boom. What a beast. That's All right. Do it. That's how he did it. All right. Let's get to some cues. Hey, I got, I got one really quick. Oh, uh, yeah. This Michael oh. uh, Broerman guy, he's hit me up on multiple channels, and it's not a terrible question. Um, it's an interesting one, uh, but I'll ask it. As a parent of an athlete, how do you feel about – Forfeiting matches when you have a wrestler who enjoys the sport and team competition but is very average, say a 500 record, but going into duels against D1 prospects. 
do you send them do you send the lamb to be slaughtered high school can be tough enough as is do you send an average dresser out to get ragdolled in front of friends and family or just accept the fact that there are levels to this well, so, how many D1 prospects could there be in your high school league? Well, okay, th- throw out D1 prospect. I think you know um, there there are just some matches where it's just uh, there is a just a guaranteed like the guys are so much. You got a guy that yeah, started started learning the the sport that's yeah. a starter, right? That they're maybe a month into it. This happens a lot at Buffalo Gap High School where you have very new people <laughs> and they get stuck. So I think. This is a decision that a lot of people have to, a lot of coaches are kind of like forced with. And I think on the one hand, you got to know the kid pretty well. Like, all right, how's is this going to ruin him? If he goes out and gets smoked, is it going to be a a big bad thing that really derails him? Typically these, the the beginning of wrestling is so discouraging, I think in general. It's so difficult to learn that on the one hand, they're probably in practice getting destroyed all the time. As much as you can try to, you know, not give them a partner that's going to kill them. If someone knows how to wrestle and someone doesn't, they're going to get destroyed unless that person has some incredible physical strength or some sort of thing that's really unique about them. So mm-hmm. they're going to get killed a lot. It's just part of part of it. But I think maybe there are some some instances where maybe it it, it does make sense to do that. I don't think. I ever held a kid, and maybe I did, but I don't think I ever held a kid knowing he was going to get killed. I knew there were a lot of times I'd send a guy out there that's going to get massacred. But I I remember one time. How do you sleep at night? That, <laughs> well, I'm listen. Uh, so I do remember this, though. I was not the coach at, at this point, um, but my brother was on the team, and it was Buffalo Gap versus Manassas Park, and Manassas Park was super, super good. And it was a really close duel. And they had this kid, I think it, uh, I think his name was Lamb Lee. This kid was a monster, right? And the duel was actually kind of going Gap's way. We were doing sort of good. And we had a guy that was going to go out and get smoked. And Coach, instead of sending that guy, was like, no, let's keep the momentum up. Don't let this guy come out and like party on him and get, get the momentum back. So just go out and get, get, it, get, it, get this hand raised and – just take the forfeit because the kid's going to get pinned anyways. It was a brand new wrestler, so I, I thought about I thought about that. I was like, I thought that was actually really kind of smart and made a lot of sense. So shout oh, yeah. out Coach Robinson, very smart guy. Uh, but I remember we, they did that. So I think it, there are some circumstances where it makes sense. But I think Ben's probably going to have uh, the more thoughtful perspective here. Uh, well, I'm going to say I'm going to say something similar to you, it, and I think it's just it's a, it, obviously you know your athletes, and it is a balance. Um, but you know, it, if they're so, I would either, if if they're average, they're not going to get killed that many times, right? There might be a couple really like state champ level guys in your area that kill them. Okay, whatever. Uh, but it would be more for me. It'd be more like the bad kid, like the kid that's you know going to win four matches. If, if he wrestles thirty varsity matches, he's going to win four out of thirty, right, or two out of thirty, or something like that. And, and so for that kid, I think it would be very helpful to balance it out with getting some wins. So like that's where if, if I was a high school coach. I would take that kid and maybe instead of sending him into the varsity match or uh, varsity, well, there's not tournaments this year. Imagine it's regular year. Mm-hmm. Instead of sending him to the varsity tournament where I know he's going to go 0 2 or he's going to go 0 5 with the dual tournament or something like that, I might send him to a JV tournament and just accept that I'm going to have to forfeit that weight at the varsity tournament because I think, you know, it's going to be a healthier system. 
because if that kid does go three and third, you know, three and thirty, the chances he comes out next year are really, really minimal. Um, and the chances he gets to work on any skills while he's getting his butt kicked is really, really minimal. So I would, uh, I would absolutely consider sending kids to other lower level tournaments if it fits their ability level more. Um, as far as duels are concerned, I'm going to try to probably keep whoever my starting lineup is in, is in there as frequently as possible. But, you know, obviously in a regular season, your dual meets are probably going to only account for 20, 25% of, of your total matches in the season. So I think I'm going to try to keep my regular lineup as much as possible. And then if I can get them different matches on weekends, I'm going to do that. Interesting. Yeah. I think also it's like, I don't know. <clears throat> Kids will, will take so much of their cue from their coaches and their coaches' expectations, yeah. man. If you set the expectation of maximum effort, good attitude, good job, whatever, after a guy yeah. gets killed, it's like, it's fine. Like, I remember, I think it was my brother. He, he was he was pretty good, like, for Virginia. He was a couple-time All-State. But, like, there was he was against this dude. We are like, maybe he has a shot against this guy. I don't know. He was a state champion. And he freaking destroyed my brother. And, like... Afterwards, it's just kind of like you just sort of chuckle. It's like, well, we had no shot there. We didn't know that at the time. But it's like you you just have to learn how to take it, I guess, in stride and with like the right perspective. Yeah. Like, all right, well, I trained really hard. I got destroyed. These things, these things happen. It's not a big deal um, in the yeah. grand scheme. Yes. Well, Buffalo Gap talk today. I love it. <laughs> okay. Um, good question, Bracky. I. I I like I like talking about that stuff. I think it's fun. Absolutely, especially with Ben on, because uh, yeah, for a variety of reasons. That's that, that's my world. That's where I, yeah, that's where I spend. You probably you probably think about this all the time. All the, all the time. I mean, right right now, honestly, we're going to uh, uh, we have two fifteen U teams going to a dual tournament in a couple of weeks, and and uh, it's actually really unique this year because Illinois and Minnesota aren't wrestling. So fifteen U, you could potentially be a high school kid, but mm -hmm. usually there's no high school kids because high school kids are wrestling in the high school tournaments, but they don't exist this year. So it's like, okay, well, how do we fill these spots? Do we, do we go recruit our high schools, but our high schools are wrestling matches. Um, and if not, you know, we have our, our middle school kids, which normally would, would be good, but now they have high schoolers in there. So, yeah, I mean, these are yeah things that I think about all the time. Yeah. I think I like talking about it because I probably miss coaching more than like anything in the world. And it was like <laughs> such an amazing time. And I hate Absolutely. that I don't coach anymore. Um, yeah, maybe that's why I get really fired up to talk about it. Okay, CJ Kemp. Season starts in less than a month. D1, that is, Natch. Oh, yeah. Who's going to tackle the Tears for Fears segment? Well, that's oh, going to be us. We got to get it popping soon, though. Oh, we're, we're doing that? Yeah, bro. Let's do it. We got to do it. Not right now. Not right now. This is... Let's make Spay do it and then just rag on him the whole time. <laughs> I mean, that's what we did last time. <laughs> Yeah, oh my gosh, time. he made us have to roast Eric Barone through no fault of Eric Barone, but he had him up in like the Ryan Deacon tier. It's like, no. So, um, yeah, so we'll do him. We won't let Andrew do him. He's got enough on his freaking plate, and um, we'll, we'll take it on. And he did a good job with it. It was just the one. No, they were it, just. It's a, so a easy to like just piggyback. You do all this work, and everything, and then you can just piggyback the one thing you don't like, and then that's the thing. Uh, but no, <laughs> we'll do it. And then uh, Bracky and I may will do it cooperatively. No, we won't do it cooperatively because um, where there's disagreement, there's entertainment. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. Uh, that, that, that was where the Joey Gunther thing was born, too. Oh, yeah. That was the tears thing. Yeah. Man, we, we got to be nicer to Illinois. Um, maybe that'll be our New Year's resolution for for D1. You can do it, Bracky. Dig deep. Yeah, Gunther's gone. <laughs> All right. What are your thoughts? Uh, Usada Cup Collector. What are your thoughts on doing a match of the night bonus? I think that'd be cool. It'd be fun. Uh, we're not going to anytime soon, but something to think about. I love incentivizing mm-hmm. good action. Did you ever win anything like that in your uh, storied MMA career, Ben? My last fight, Maya was fight of the night. Um, you get money for that? I never had. 50 grand? <laughs> but, what? That's, that's awesome. $50,000. <laughs> yeah. Bellator won one championship. One champion. Uh, one championship. They had. They they said they were do a fight of the night bonus. And in U.S. dollars, the average salary in the Philippines is roughly three thousand uh, dollars per year. And they so they they said, hey, we're gonna give this fight of the night bonus, and they gave it. And the first t- first fight, uh, this really tough Filipino guy won it. He said, I'm retired. I got fifty <laughs> grand. I'm done. I'm out. Really? <laughs> yeah. So they're like, they're like, damn it, we can't do that anymore. And they and they took it out. And I, I was like the next card, right? So it was like it happened the one time. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna win this thing. And they're like, yeah, we're not gonna do that anymore. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, think about that. That would be like winning, right? That would be winning like a million dollars in America for a fight of the night. Like, wow. Yeah, some guys would just say, uh, okay, I'm. I mean, that guy in the PFL. Um, don't recall what his name is, but he won. You know, they did the million dollar tournament. Lance Palmer. And, and he, no, not Lance. Lance won twice. So he, he should be, uh, hopefully, he's investing his money wisely. But uh, the other guy, he won a million dollars. He said, okay, I'm done. This is all I need. Yeah. That would. I don't recall who that is. That'd yeah. work for me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not like you're, a, I don't know, an investment banker. You're fighting people, you're getting punched in the, in the face. Um, so yeah, I can see people, it's somewhat predictable that if you give people that much money, they're going to find the way out. Sean O'Connell, Sean Connell. He works here. He works here now. Yeah. Uh, Oh, did, did the Lawler fight not get fight of the night? That's the craziest crap. I should have got paid on that one, huh? That was Ben, I think Who you won know, that night? but that was totally that insane. What, what card was it? I'll find John it. Jones uh, uh, versus UFC 235. Uh, who won that? I, yeah, I don't know who won that night. The, 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 the last match that. wasn't that great. Uh, Pedro Munoz versus Cody Garbrandt. Oh, that was a crazy one. Yeah, that was that was a good one. And dude, yours was crazier. Yeah. I'm super biased, uh, okay. also, but um, dang it all, dang it all, should have won twice. Write a letter to the editor. You never know. <laughs> I think right. you guys should do a match of the night bonus. I don't think it'd have to be fifty grand. I think you could do less than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would and, need uh, to be less people, than the overall. People card. get pretty excited about it. Yeah, uh, it would be. Um, oh jeez, <laughs> Bracky's looking up your payouts, Ben. <laughs> your reported payouts. It was on the thing. We're gonna. He's getting excited well, for it. He's fine. No, I know. It's just like when you see it again, oh, you're like, oh, my God. What a beast. Yeah, You're the man. Uh, <laughs> he said that's nice. All right. Well, what is the best technique that Americans should learn from Russians? This I'm just going to go straight Ooh. to Ben here. I think we're learning most of them. I, I don't think there's 
anything that they, they do right now that that we don't necessarily do or we struggle at um i you know i think there was definitely a period in american wrestling where we were kind of a little too stuck in our ways and i, I just don't think that's the case anymore um you know i i guess probably because they deal with it their whole life uh and this this would go for iranians also and probably probably a lot of those countries is their edge tactics uh are so good right now whether it's in you know over under underhook seatbelt position um lay you know man their their edge tactics i think still are probably better than ours because that's something that we don't have to deal with the majority of our life but mm -hmm. from a technical standpoint uh, man I, I feel like we're right on par with them yeah i don't know what the single this is where i'd like to ask lee roper i bet he would have a thing or mike would be like there's an area where they're a little better could be wizard seatbelt i don't i feel like we only have a few guys i think that's a position that they get to a lot. Iranians get to a lot. That uh, well, it's so much more valuable in freestyle. So we we as a club we work kind of a lot more in freestyle season because if you think about it, in folk style it's not all that valuable. Um, it's kind of like a stalemate it, position. You know? Well, because you could well in folk style you could bring it. So the guy with the seatbelt is the dictator. If he wants to stay on the mat, he can stay on the mat. If he wants to drive up, he could drive up, and the, and the wizard guy has to follow. Mm -hmm. So if I drive out to my feet in folk style. You know, I put pressure on you. Uh, I could just push you out of bounds, and maybe there's a stall call, but probably not. But I'm not going to make a really stupid decision because I'm getting pushed out of bounds. Uh, it's a very controlling position. Whereas in freestyle, I could really press you towards the edge. I either get my point, right? Yeah. Or if you decide to make a decision, then I usually have offense off that decision you make, whether it's turn back, you know, dig in, um, square up, whatever your choice is. I, I have some um, incentive to or i have a, i have a way to score and so the incentive to use the seatbelt position in freestyle is significantly greater than the incentive to use it in folk style yeah so i think if there's a position maybe it's that but it's not like it's not no. like a, there's a single technique out of that position there's like myriad things you can do yeah. um yeah so i don't know think a little more i feel like lee roper or mike mal would have a interesting answer they probably already thought about this mm -hmm. um yeah I'd be curious what they thought. Well, the problem, well, the other problem there, Christian, why and why I think there's probably not as many uh, differences now is like again we go back to the well, even in 2010, how much film could you find on those guys? Yeah, it was tough. And the answer is not not a lot. It, even for senior level athletes, it was tough to find film. And now it's so easy to watch everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, if 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 I'm a senior level athlete right now. I, I'm watching all those guys. And I'm saying, "Ooh, that that looks like it works a lot." I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to do that, and I can watch it a whole bunch. Where 15 years ago, you absolutely could not find film on guys on a regular basis. Um, 10 years ago, it was really difficult, and now it's becoming really commonplace. So you're gonna see this. The, there there weren't there are not gonna be as many dissimilarities. Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, do you know what you could find a lot of match footage of was what Americans and basically only Americans. That had to yeah. work too. I it was I know it was theorized that that worked to our disadvantage against the foreigners that we had one flow wrestling and also, um, you know YouTube was a thing where a lot of American wrestling matches were were placed there. So there was this treasure trove of scouting that could be done on us that we could not implement against our opponents. Now, UWW. Puts everything on YouTube, so you know all our coaches get to see. You go on YouTube, you can see. Yeah. You can see twenty Sajalai, twenty Sitikov, twenty. You know who these guys are, and I think that's 
overall and that's going to lead to innovation across across the board right so yeah. i think it's great but it was something that 10 years ago basically only the yeah. americans could get scouted thoroughly i always tell that story of um it was 2006 world 2007 world just right <laughs> when i i knew i was going to start gearing up to wrestle internationally and i got a dvd series of and i i don't i don't know where i got it at this point i have no idea but it literally had it was funny because it had like um you could scroll through it and click on a match but the matches weren't labeled it was like zero three eight four dot whatever you know and mm -hmm. so it had every match but it wasn't like oh hey i'm gonna watch musakayev on this one and bajrang on this one it just had a number so I remember I watched every effing match, which is, you know, I think it was like 250 or something to that effect. It was men's freestyle worlds. And I, I typed on my computer who the matches were. So if I then wanted to later, later go back and watch, I had my list of how it matched up with the DVD. I mean, that was what we had to do to watch matches. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Come a long way. Did they, maybe they used to like trade tapes or something. Who knows? Well, I know Doc Doc Bennett would be the guy that yeah. you go to, and I believe they would send him to scout stuff, and uh, you know he he would film everything, uh, everything that he was able to, and then save it. But he, you know, again, there was very little access to that. Right. Okay, Julian Schmalinski, how big is the gap between Gable, Paris, and Cassiope? So I would say the Gable Paris gap. With Cassiope is vast, mm -hmm. right? That's yes. that's tremendous. Mm -hmm. Those they're in a different tier, in my opinion. And you know, Cassiope was teched rather easily by Gwizdowski, and we just mm -hmm. saw how close the Gable Paris Gwiz dynamic yeah. is. So I think they're very much removed. So the question is, how much Gable? I think Gable's probably two to three points ahead of Paris, uh, maybe less. I don't know. But I, I would say probably about the, I think that's the gap. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that. I mean, after last weekend, that's Heck a matchup yeah. I want to see for sure. I don't know when it's going to happen. I mean, has Big Ten Wrestling put out their schedule yet? They probably got to do it pretty soon, right? Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, a few ACC teams did last week. I see Iowa State's teasing. theirs late coming later today, so I assume the Big Ten is soon. Sweet. Nice. That'd be cool. Nice. Um. With the best RTC singlets gear this past weekend, this guy thinks NC State. Um, I, like I thought Ohio, Ohio RTCs, RTCs were fire, but they didn't have anything to do with Ohio RTC. They look like someone said they look like they're like South Beach singlets or something. I know, I like that. I thought it was cool. Yeah, but, they had the Miami uh, Vice vibe. I actually, you know what I really liked about the Wolfpack? I like the. Uh, it's sort of strange that I liked it, but I like the font. I like yeah. the cursive font. Yeah, it was awesome. I thought it looked really cool. I don't know what it was about I thought, that. I thought they had the best oh, looking stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I. So it was one of those. So like, Wow Factor Ohio. I think overall, like best team gear thing. I liked NC State's. Mm -hmm. So hey, am I? Have I been missing this? How long has Gopher uh, been GWC? I don't know. I don't know when the storm. I don't know what's what is storm it's been a storm forever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe they're going through a rebrand or something because they all had a bunch of gear. So go for a wrestling club. Or... Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll have to do a fact finding mission on that one. Um, I don't have any other questions in here. Do we have we wrestling this weekend? We don't, do we? I don't think so. All I can say Wah. is. Wah. 
Yes. Yep. All I say is uh, a couple more hours, big announcement, and then maybe carve out some time this evening because we're going to be doing something pretty, pretty freaking cool. So, uh, yeah, more to come there. Mm. Uh, ben, what are you doing this weekend? You can make Jacob uh, Roshka like grind I, stumps or something. <laughs> uh, he's not. Well, you, you know what? He's he's in Missouri, oh, uh, so he's not here. Uh, I do have my dad's tractor here, but it's not strong enough to dig up these rocks I need to dig up. So uh, I haven't been successful with that. We filmed some DVDs the last couple of days, and actually, I got to go to um, uh, my dad's having a little Christmas thing. So I'm going over there, and then we're, oh, we're doing a revamp of our Madison facility that we have. So that's been going on for the last couple of weeks. So I've been really busy. Is uh who shot your fanatic stuff? Was it Joe uh J Joe Gilpin? Uh no, Dan Valmont was out here with another oh, guy. Sweet. I don't know. The other guy was Justin. I don't know his last name. Okay. I guess Joe Gil. How do you know Joe Gilpin? Because he's an FRL fan. Yeah. Well, so he does. F Fanatics is huge in jujitsu, and yeah, so huge. he. Um, I met him at ADCC in 2019, and then I don't know. I just he's a. He listens to the show and we DM uh, occasionally. He's so cool uh, they told me that Joe Gilpin had to be Mako's dummy for the foot sweep DVD. He did. We were about that. Oh, yeah. We, we, yeah, we <laughs> did realize that. Like, Joe is not that big. And he wrestled that at Maryland, but like, he's not a heavyweight and he had to be <laughs> Mako's like, drill dummy. He said he's like psychologically scarred. I think Spay was Mako's drill dummy one time. Spay was. Uh, a sixth grade Steve Mako uh, <laughs> foot swept Andrew Spay for the better part of two hours. That's an awesome story. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, poor poor Joe. But I didn't know if he if he went up there or not. Um, anyway, we're good to go. Hope everyone has a good weekend. It's good. It's a big day here at Flow Wrestling. We're very excited. Stay tuned. Cool stuff coming. We'll be back Tuesday with a heck of a lot to talk about. We'll have the 150. We'll be diving deep into that. We'll be talking about what's happening later today a lot. And uh, maybe we start getting into the NCAA tears for fears. Tears for fears. That's right, baby. Look at that hair. Looks good. Beautiful. Luscious flow from Ben Asker. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to Kyle. And thanks especially to you for listening. See you Tuesday. Have a nice weekend. We out. <laughs>